you are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I'm Paxton Wright. And I'm Justin Kiever. And uh, boy, oh boy, what a, what a program we have in store for you today, folks. Um, if, you're, if you're a first-time listener, then as sort of a lowdown, this show is basically a response to the uh, weird, unprecedented times we're living in right now and the media consumption that comes with uh, staying at home all day. So I've, mostly, mostly it's just talking about movies and video games and, and dork stuff. But, you know, <laughs> we get a little, we get a little uh, topical with the conversation sometimes. Uh, so, and if you're a returning listener, you knew all that already. And that was just kind of a, a, a waste of 45 seconds for you, but you'll live. Um, <laughs> how you doing, Justin? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I was actually thinking about making this like a little more topical of an episode, just not necessarily like directly related to the, uh, the media that we'll be talking about this week, which on my end, uh, like I've been playing a ton of uh, Kentucky Route Zero, kind of replaying it, thinking about writing about it for, um, schoolwork actually, um, been, de- been debating that, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like, like, I feel like the maybe like the best off you can be right now is to just to be like kind of like generally stressed all the time, you know, and I feel like I have been generally stressed all the time. And uh, yeah, I've been playing a good thing for it, I guess, because yeah, how, uh, I, I guess to kind of just jump right into it, like how much do you actually know about Kentucky Route Zero? I know very little. I know it's a point-and-click adventure game, uh, mm. but it's sort of atypical. It doesn't play like your kind of classic, uh, you know, Monkey Island, Sam and Max hit the road, etc. And I know that the yeah. art direction in it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah. Beyond yeah, no, that, I don't know a ton. So it's a magical realist point-and-click adventure game that takes place, yeah, it takes place in Kentucky, uh, but in like a very kind of ethereal, like dreamlike uh, version of Kentucky, the, thus the, the magical realism. And you start the game playing as a um, playing as a as an antique delivery driver. Like you, you know, you work for a company called Lysats Antiques, and you are the truck driver for this company. And you've been tasked with uh, making a delivery to an address called Five Dogwood Drive. And the only way you quickly find to actually get to this address is via this, this subterranean highway called the Zero. And the Zero is this uh, basically this bizarre highway that doesn't really obey the laws of space and time, where you meet a lot of like remarkably mundane people. And yeah, it's a game that's very much about, I mean, it's primarily about debt everyone is poor or you know in debt in some way or another but uh yeah so it's a game that's it's about debt it's about haunting and it's about debt where like you meet a lot of characters who are ghosts characters who are you know haunted uh by you know something in their past and that hauntedness kind of like gives them this sort of like sensation of being you know old and alive past their time to the point where they themselves appear to be ghosts. Like, it's just a very, um, yeah, it's a very depressing game. Uh, like, and, and the thing is, it's like more, it, it finally, it was released episodically and the final episode came out uh, earlier this year. 
it's I'm this is the first time I've gone back to it since playing through all of its episodes like when they initially came out going back to it kind of it's really interesting to see because it like it shifts style and vibe so much that um while still being like really coherent that coming back to it in retrospect it's amazing how well this thing coheres over the course of like the given that it like took seven years to come out fully and yeah in retrospect like the way that it like signals like this very tragic ending that i won't spoil for you uh paxton because i really recommend and i recommend anyone who's listening to this play it because it's one of the finest video games to ever be released like yeah like the way it just kind of like foregrounds its tragic ending so frequently and kind of keeps returning to the these like various moments of tragedy in ways that are initially very subtle like it resonates now just insofar as like and that it's a game that's about kind of the um, feeling underpowered in the face of, well, basically in the face of power structures that exist to exploit the vulnerable. And, and like, not only are we now dealing with, you know, like the invisible menace of COVID-19, what I mean is that like the response to COVID-19, like the way that we are now seeing, like, the, you know, like the way that we're now seeing businesses start to open up, like, you know, like we're kind of like putting things in motion and like opening up the country again, which is going to be harmful in the immediate term because like we don't have a vaccine or anything. So. Right. And so, yeah, so it's like, so that in and of itself is this kind of what we're seeing is like the, the machinations of a kind of existing sort of exploitation that we've always had. And I think is represented very well in this particular game I happen to be playing. But anyway, sorry, I've been talking for a while. Do you have any like questions about this? Or... Oh no, I mean, yeah. So I guess I'm I, I'm more kind of curious as to what you mean by that exactly, uh, because so the 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 concept of like the the highway or Route Zero is it like is it normalized within the world of the game? Is the idea that it is like this kind of uh hidden unknown except to a select few kind of underground world or is it like is it normalized to the point where it might as well be like the 405 like how where does it exist in this in this world's kind of uh what do you call it magical realism yeah um yeah where, where does it exist in that in that kind of plane so that's actually that's a great question because it kind of um because it's both basically insofar as it is completely normal for the people that work on it and like so there's this um in the beginning of the second episode you uh go to this place called the uh, i think it's the bureau of reclaimed spaces and it's an office building basically that's on this mysterious subterranean highway now your your characters have never actually been like been on the zero before so it's this like weird impossible place for them but um but for the people that work there it is just like the four or five you know like it's like it's completely like they understand how to navigate it. It's completely mundane. And yeah, and like that is sort of the the thing is that the zero ends up being this like location of a bureaucratic power. Cause like the, uh, the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces, I mean, it's, you know, one literally a bureau, but also it's, uh, it is an office where they are tasked with uh, repurposing um, places that have uh, they're basically dead areas, so like you know, abandoned hospitals, and like uh, they make into prisons and stuff like that. 
So yeah, so the zero ends up becoming like this location of a sort of like weird, like a power that seems like very strange, but for everyone who's there, it's just kind of like, no, this is, this is normal. And um, yeah, so, so yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's both. And for the people that know it's there, like it's a, there are enough people who know it's there and who are normal enough where, yeah, where it, it's, um, it's very much like, you know, working in an office and under, like, like knowing the zero way very much like working in an office and understanding the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And so what is the, uh, what, uh, what is the setting of, of Kentucky? Like, how does that play into it specifically? Cause I think that's a very interesting choice and in setting in that you're, it, it is a, it is a, uh, it sounds like it's a story that's very much about, uh, uh, poverty and sort of the, the forgotten individual. And you would think that that kind of story would be set somewhere more in like the Rust Belt. Um, whereas Kentucky, I, listen i'm a uh, quote unquote coastal elite i've i've you know I've, I've never been i know nothing about it beyond like what i've seen in in uh other media and and just general hearsay um so my my scope of understanding is very uh, on the actual state of kentucky is very limited uh i would imagine it's a state that uh has been met with quite its fair share of poverty if uh you know, again, media like True Detective, which I guess is set in like Louisiana, but, you know, kind of covers that same sort of general red state region is any sort of indication. Um, is that like, is what is the, like, what thematic purpose does that choice of locale serve? Well, I think it's, um, it's a mix of things. So one, it is this kind of, um, well, one, I think as a sort of Eastern state, it has, there, there's a feeling of like a longer kind of like duration of history that uh basically yeah like yeah it's like the feeling of like giving it's a state that feels like it has more of a history than i would say something like uh southern california does uh to be honest like um which is not to say um or at least a particular kind of history because obviously california has a very long history and you know we um and then as, as you know as it gets colonized uh you know, like then, like we get this like different version of Californian history that sort of like starts in like 1910 or whatever, right? Which is n- not the full history, and we should be very, you know, careful to acknowledge that. But um, but like a, a sort of uh, a longer kind of like very specifically like American duration of history in terms of like you know the United States of America. So it's like a mixture of that, the poverty. I think the kind of like you mentioned True Detective and something that I think was always very remarkable about true detectives the first season um it's like it's spaces was just how open so much of that seemed and i feel like in um in this game there there is sort of like a sense of that kind of like openness of just the of the landscape which i think is um which i think just gives it like adds that kind of like dreamy rural vibe and then um and then also the, the thing that's really interesting is that uh, it's also, there's a lot of like, it plays with a lot of like game history. So there's a, there's a text adventure that came out in the mid seventies called Colossal Cave Adventure. Okay. Is it like and, a, uh, mm-hmm. like, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the company that, that made them now. Uh, but they made like King's Quest and all those texts, like the same, 
Same oh, oh, um, oh, what is the name of that company? Uh, Professor Sierra. Soderman's gonna kill me. Sierra Online, yeah, there it yeah, is. Yeah, um, well, uh, not as well, actually, I never played the only King's Quest games I know are the ones that actually have graphics. Um, but these were like, uh, I mean, this was you know entirely like a text, um, and I think it was developed by was that Will Crowther, I think. Um, but anyway, so, uh, but it's a, it's a game that's about exploring the actual Mammoth Cave system in Kentucky, hmm. which, um, this, uh, which basically Kentucky Red Zero is very invested in kind of like presenting its players with this kind of, uh, with characters who are in some ways kind of like presented as these like early game designers. And it very much is like drawing on this kind of like history of the text adventure in setting its, in like being set in Kentucky because it's uh, kind of like plays with, uh, occasionally like plays with this kind of idea of it, you know, occasionally it very heavily resembles a text adventure where you are exploring cave systems and very much exploring a cave system that is, you know, very close to and related to and possibly the same as the Mammoth Cave system. Um, Or like, you know, like where, or the zero is this kind of like uh, mysterious, like mirror image of like the Mammoth Cave system or Mm -hmm. something like that. So yeah, so, uh, so Kentucky, um, it has this kind of like uh, American specificity and also this um, importance in the history of adventure game design as well. So I think that's basically the, um, yeah, that's more or less the rationale. Interesting. Yeah, well, then I definitely have to check it out because I definitely, my entire upbringing was so largely defined by like point and click adventure games, uh, the LucasArts era, particularly uh, Monkey <laughs> Island, Grim Fandango, or very near and dear to my heart a lot of the sort of you know contemporary takes on them uh that have come in recent years have also been very important uh night in the woods wasn't really point and click but night in the woods was another one that this sort of feels um evocative of a little bit uh, oh yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah and that was that's one of my favorite games of the last that's one of my favorite games ever i i adored night in the woods um so this is definitely something i'll have to check out because to see something that kind of transcends this very sort of tried and true genre is always interesting to me uh, in fact, I actually just uh, uh, wrote a game that my friend developed that will be releasing in about a month, uh, which really? is a sort of, yeah, it's a sort of a, a take on sort of point and click adventure games, uh, but it's multiplayer. Um, so Ooh. we'll we'll see how it works out, but that'll be, that's uh, the friendship that'll be dropping to uh, Ichio in the next, I want to say two to three months. Um, oh, I wrote that's awesome. The, yeah, so it's we got it's. I'm really excited about it because I I wrote the whole script. My friend uh, programmed and developed it. We got a bunch of really really talented artists who developed all the assets and animation for it. So we're pretty excited. We'll see how that comes out. Um, but yeah, and again, that's sort of just uh, again to be involved in a uh, in a point and click in this day and age is still very exciting. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, to as far as what I've been consuming, um, this. This last week was kind of weird. I sort of dipped my toes in a lot of pools, but it was a lot of kind of disposable media. I didn't really sink my teeth into anything too much. I was kind of, I was, I had a really busy week, so I mostly just kind of focused on stuff that I could have on in the background. So like I revisited the original Scream trilogy. Uh, How does that hold up? 
Uh, I love the first movie is uh, I I adore the first Scream uh, for all its very like '90s tongue in cheek, arms crossed attitude that it like it presents you with. <laughs> it's like, ha ha, we know how the conventions of horror work. Um, like it is a very it is a very snarky and in your face movie, but a for its time it was incredibly clever and a great uh like subversion of the of the genre uh and b it's just charming that snark just kind of it feels like you're playing like tony hawk's pro skater and like, you got, like <laughs> old finger music playing it like it's just it, it it takes you to a very specific time and place in your heart it's like oh, i like this attitude um the sequels are bad but i watched them anyway uh <laughs> well the second one's fine the second one has its moments um but did that also watched to sort of carry on the sort of 90s snarky self-referential attitude era theme i also uh started watching uh the show undergrads which i won't get too into undergrads but this is sort of it was a short-lived series that aired on mtv in like the year 2000 i want to say um which it it was one of the it was near the end of mtv's lifespan when it came to like animated programming it was post beavis and butthead post daria i think even like post clone high it was like right at the tail end of of mtv animation and it was basically this show that they did absolutely no marketing for they wanted to basically pretend didn't exist so they had an excuse to stop producing animation and they could go to way more easy cheap and uh disposable like kind of reality television like they sort of rebranded to so Mm. it's sort of it's an interesting show because it's kind of a swan song to like the end of a very specific era of animation which Mm. me as a cartoonist like i is one of my favorite points of it probably probably my personal favorite point of animation is like that late 90s mtv where it's a lot more static but a lot more detailed and thus is has a much greater emphasis on setting and writing rather than so much uh uh motion and free flowingness um it's it's hard to describe in so many words but yeah undergrads and it is sort of the show that developed a kind of mini cult following years later uh because it it was good and it was a show that no one gave a chance to and it basically follows the lives of uh a group of college freshmen um in their first few months of college mm. and i think my biggest takeaway with it so far has been like boy i wish i wish i saw this show as a college freshman i wish i saw this show as like a high school senior because like where was this when i was you know going through the tribulations that college freshmen go through because the whole show focuses on uh its central character who is uh uh basically a social he's kind of a social recluse and like knows he should be participating in college shenanigans and knows he should be you know engaging in the best years of his life but also the sort of transfer of small fish in a big pond that comes naturally with college has sort of deer in the headlights him a little bit and Mm. so he is he kind of just it's sort of about his his dealing with developing new relationships, developing a new identity, uh, and form forming valuable memories. When uh, naturally, that's the last thing he or anyone wants to be doing. And when you're a college freshman, at least in my experience, and I think most people I know, that was very much the case. It was just an incredibly anxious 
pretty miserable time wherein it seemed like everyone else around me was having fun and I was like the only person that was miserable and then cut to a few years later talk to people and everyone was like oh yeah that's that sucked I hated that and I was like well why didn't you tell me at the time I could have felt I could have felt like there was a kindred connection here um so it is a really interesting show because it taps into that kind of idea um and it because it very explicitly discusses this aspect of uh college life that I feel like most college media sidesteps you know like yeah yeah no very much and one it's a relief to hear that someone else had a miserable freshman year um <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't need to revisit it anytime soon <laughs> yeah that was, that was a bad year um <laughs> but uh yeah no it is very much a um i think yeah like honestly i feel like most college media i mean most college media is being generally not great but like yeah kind of like seizes on this idea of you know, like, okay, you're going to college now. It's like, you know, you can, the, you, know, you can totally rebrand. You're a totally new you. And the actual, like, lived experience of that for, I feel like, most people is that's not the way it is, you know, because, like, you, you don't just change your setting and then suddenly you're a new person, you know, like, you carry, you carry you with you. And I feel like that kind of, like, the, yeah, exactly, exactly like you're saying, like, the, the shock of being in a new place um, it, it doesn't just, it doesn't allow for this immediate, like, reinvention. In fact, it kind of, like, heightens some of, like, you know, it, I feel like it heightens some aspects of yourself where you're, like, clinging to things about you that are familiar. Right. And, and, and yeah, like, it totally, like, I mean, I don't know, yeah, it completely froze me. And, like, I really didn't, like, I didn't really meet my people. I'm just, like, now reflecting on college. Like, I didn't really <laughs> meet my people until, like, senior year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, so it um, took a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's actually kind of. Uh, I think like the only thing that would stop me from going back and watching that show now is just the refusal to even think about freshman year again. Yeah, and, and it definitely I, that would that's sort of an apprehension that I, I had with it at the beginning too. Um, but it is also like there's one scene in it I absolutely love. It's like maybe maybe two episodes in where like they're talking like uh they're talking to the main character like the main character makes friends with this girl who's like very she's very clearly like the early 2000s mtv manic pixie dream girl she's got you know short purple hair and she's snarky and it's like ah mm -hmm. oh will they won't they you know there's it's definitely yeah. still has its conventions but she uh uh she's like saying like hey there's gonna be a big kegger at uh my my friend uh dave's apartment this weekend do you want to come main character is like oh no i've already got a great weekend planned ahead of me he's like i'm gonna go back home to my parents house and i'm gonna do laundry and it's gonna be great and it's, <laughs> like, it's like oh wow yeah i remember i remember <laughs> that sentiment where we're chilling in my childhood bedroom and doing laundry would have been the the uh the epitome of a great weekend um yeah and uh, yeah and so like in the show definitely again it still has its flaws it uh uh you know it's some of the some of the voice acting is uh borderline awful sometimes because uh, it's the main the four main characters are all voiced by the show's creator um and it was clearly made on a very low budget and mm -hmm. so sometimes it's it sounds very unprofessional a lot of the writing is really kind of hacky and hokey on occasion um it has the sort of pre big bang theory thing where 
to so much as mention Star Wars was cutting edge and crazy. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> this show gets it. And so it's like <laughs> constantly dropping really on the nose Star Wars references. Uh, oh, boy. So, you know, there's it's well worn in some respects, but where it counts is where it taps into the sort of perspective of the college freshman perfectly. Mm. Um, and that in itself, it just, it, it's been a, it's been a very interesting experience to watch that show uh, for that reason alone. Um, God, we have a minute left. We didn't get to <laughs> hereditary <laughs> at all. Well, <laughs> I wanted to talk about hereditary today too, because I also watched that for the first time last night, but Maybe we'll save it for next week. Yeah, I mean, I I think we could save it and just for now say, is it scary? Eh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, you know, uh, wait. Here's what here's what I'll say. I'll we'll put a pin in it on this. Um, I loved the fact that it is a slow burn, uh, really uh, kind of tense. I called it, I call it, I was talking to my friend about it. It's not so much a social commentary as much as it is like a social prodding. Like mm. it's sort of forcing you to maybe not confront necessarily ugly things about yourself all the time, but definitely confronting you, forcing you to confront ugly ideas and whether or not they apply to you. Um, yeah. Particularly familial relationships. That was how I was going to tie it in with the, uh, quarantine thing this week is being at home with my parents for two months for the first time since like high school Mm -hmm. um and sort of like now being a kind of adult and living in close proximity with them for a long period of time forces you to sort of dissect your own familial dynamics Um, and the whole movie is about dissecting familial dynamics and dissecting dissecting grief within families and how families uh react to grief um Mm, yeah oh yeah very much um yeah, and that was fascinating. And then, uh, without getting too much into it, there comes a point where the movie goes full-blown uh, horror, spooky monsters. And and while it's executed well, I could have done without it. If I, I like the ambiguity a little bit more. Despite the fact that it is spooky monster stuff done very well, it just, it lost me a little bit. There, there's a point where it just, like, very straightforwardly becomes, like, it just basically becomes Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, exa- yeah, it's exactly, um, it's, yeah. And it is the least, yeah, like, where it becomes a horror movie is easily the least scary part of the movie. Yeah. Because you know what? Reality is more frightening than any fiction. Bingo! Bango! Bongo! <laughs> Beautiful place to cap that off, Justin. Great uh, job. <laughs> well, I try. <laughs> well, maybe we can get into Hereditary in the future, unless we both watch or play or listen or whatever to something more interesting in the next week in which case maybe we never will point being i give hereditary a solid 8.5 out of 10 no maybe an 8.3 it just didn't get those point two no 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 it's it it got docked that point two for the uh for the yeah just very uh on the nose yeah it, it becomes it becomes rosemary's baby exactly it becomes the same movie virtually at the end pretty much yeah um mm. well, okay great right. well it's a quality show there i think it's proud of it yeah i hope so you know that's for the audience to decide yeah i guess so <laughs> all right <laughs> well justin you take it easy this week my friend 
Yeah, you too, Paxton. Don't go do nothing too exciting outside your home. Don't go do nothing at all outside your home. I will not. I will stay away from bleach. Best of my, uh, <laughs> I might, uh, I might start toying around with like micro dosing Lysol. Just see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next week, everybody. Yeah, take care, everyone.